What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are recapping fashion tech at New York Fashion Week with our good friend, Mugenetta Cap Funday. So, Mugenetta, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So this is your second appearance on the Electric Runway podcast. We spoke earlier, I guess it was maybe just shy of six months ago, and now we're back again to talk about what you've been up to, because you've been all over like a ping pong ball, as you've been saying, and then we're going to touch on New York Fashion Week. Yes, I'm excited to talk about Fashion Week. It's one of my favorite things, so... So let's talk about first the Look Forward Fashion Tech Festival in Paris. As I understand it, you were in Paris not only covering what was going on in terms of fashion tech, but also you were able to give a talk on the stage. must have been so exciting to be in Paris in the summer. Tell me all about that event and how you got involved with it and your talk. I'm so excited to learn all about this, and I'm sure Electric Runway listeners are as well. Well, Look Forward Fashion Tech in Paris was very exciting, mainly because Paris has been kind of slow on the uptake with the merge of fashion technology. And this was something I actually discussed with Nomi, who kind of does what I do and what you do and writes about the merger of fashion technology, but from Paris. So we kind of, the three of us kind of covering all corners of the world, really. So we kind of had a little discussion about it and what made this event exciting was to be able to see so many variations of of fashion technology, what it basically represents. And they had like 25 fashion tech designers all under one roof. So they were exhibiting their work. This was a free event. So it allowed people who were curious about fashion technology and also the early adopters of fashion technology to kind of come under one roof and, and, and kind of admire the work of people like Pauline Van Dungen and and designers such as that. So it was very exciting. It was very, very well done, if I might add. That's what I heard as well. When I was speaking to some of my contacts in Berlin, they were saying the same thing for a first go at a fashion tech festival. It was really well put together. I think that's the Parisian way. And our audience will definitely know Naomi because we've had her on the show as well and so it's very cool that you're talking to her and talking about how Paris is merging fashion and technology as you mentioned she's she's covering it and so you had the opportunity to give a talk there so tell me about that. I did and they invited me to give a talk on manufacturing fashion tech. This is an area that's a bit of a minefield because a lot of designers who I have spoken to a lot of startups This is a problem for them. How can they manufacture or mass manufacture their product? Creating a prototype is not easy, but it's manageable. But creating a product for the masses is where a lot of startups are finding hiccups and finding it really hard to produce. So my whole talk was based on how they can go around that, how they can find an easier way, how they can you know, find manufacturing companies that are willing to do small quantities and so forth. Before I did my talk, I did speak to a few people first. I spoke to Anina Nett, who is like the guru of manufacturing fashion tech. I also spoke to Jerry Wilmink, who does the Wisewear bracelet. I spoke to Rana, 
who does the coat, the Ermal and Eris coat. So I spoke to various startups who have actually gone through the process themselves. And the reason why I did this, because I felt like this is something that should be a conversation because everyone has such a different experience and everyone has something different to bring to the table. So for me to be able to give a well-rounded keynote, I felt like I had to speak to people. I had to find out what they went through, how they did it you know, the mistakes they made, the things they learned, and then share that on my keynote. I think the reason why as well, it was such a good keynote was that this is an area that's not talked about a lot. People talk a lot Mm -hmm. about the product, but they don't really focus much on how you can mass produce it. And I think this is a problem within the fashion tech space because a lot of products don't make it to market. But I don't know whether it's because they kind of don't realize how hard it is to actually create a product and to kind of have it a mass appeal. So it was a good talk. I mean, I learned something. I was able to communicate with the people that I attended, the information that I learned and what I know and the people that I've spoken to and kind of give them food for thought, really. Yeah, and it's interesting yeah. you mentioned the idea of, you know, really kind of looking under the hood when it comes to fashion tech because we seem to celebrate launches when something new and shiny is on the market. But getting it to a stage where it's actually a viable product is really challenging. So that's one comment that I wanted to make, but then also a comment that, you know, a year ago, it seems you and I were giving talks on, okay, this is fashion tech (laughs) and really, really introductory talks. And now does it seem that people are coming to you to speak more about the details. Do you think that this is a sign that the market is changing, it's maturing, we've perhaps found and established our clan? How do you see it in terms of the subject matter? I think people are understanding a little bit more about it. Before it was kind of, it was a buzzword, it was a phase, it was a trend. It was something that people didn't think would be sticking around. So I think a lot of the talks that we gave was saying to them, listen, you know, you need to look at the bigger picture here. This is what fashion and technology looks like. And this is what it will give you in the future. And I think now that people are kind of starting to get their head around it, our next talks seem to be much more detailed. You know, it's much more giving good examples of people who are actually successfully creating products, such as Wearable X and their and their Nardi X leggings the yoga pants that they've created, you know, they are, they're, they're a good example of, of a, somebody who had an idea, a great idea, and then took the product to market and now you can buy it. Before it was all about talking about the concepts that were available, you know, like, look at the ideas, how amazing would you, can you imagine a jacket that could do this or a black skirt that could do that? Now it's actually doing it, you know? So when I'm kind of talking to people about manufacturing or talking to them about smart fabrics I'm actually able to show them examples of product when before I couldn't I didn't really have anything to physically show them that wasn't a wearable watch (laughs) yeah it's true and we've seen our share of those and so what did you learn in speaking with Anina Nett from 360 Fashion and Jerry Wilming from Wiseware. What did you learn that you didn't know? Because, you know, we know that you have your finger on the pulse of this beat and we know that you know lots about media and communicating fashion tech. But what did you learn about manufacturing that you were able to share with your audience in Paris? One thing I learned and one thing they all said was you can't do it all yourself. You cannot physically do it everything yourself you have to learn 
to rely on others to help you kind of like bring your idea to life, create a product, get your product out there. You need to rely on people. And the people that you rely on need to basically be able to do their job well. So that's kind of something I learned because a, a lot of people, as you most likely know yourself, being an entrepreneur, you try and put your fingers in all the pies. You want to do it all. You want to do it yourself because you're kind of a perfectionist and you know what you want. And it's hard to kind of let somebody else look after your baby. So one thing they all said was that kind of delegating work is the best thing to do. So you can't do it everything. And if you, when you do that and you do that well, you end up with a very good product. So yeah. that is something that I learned. And, and, and it's kind of information that translates in all kind of startup work. Well, even for myself, it translates. You know, I can't write every article. I have to learn to, you know, to kind of work with others kind of thing. So it's kind of something that translates and something that kind of spoke to me when I heard them all tell me that. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I noticed that you have some extra contributors on the Fashion Nerd website. So going back to this idea of you can't write every article yourself, you know, maybe two years ago, I think we could because this was such an emerging niche and there wasn't that much news coming out of it. And so one person running a blog on fashion tech, it was manageable. But now it seems that there's so much news and buzz that one necessarily has to expand their team in order to be able to cover it all. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how you've expanded your team and the different contributors that you now have to your website. Yes, I mean, I'm excited about our contributors. They just are amazing and passionate about what they write about, which makes them the perfect fashion ad. What we always try and do, it's not so much about, ooh, write for us. It's more along the lines of, use fashioner.com as your platform to communicate kind of what you know, what you've learned to a ready-made audience. This is kind of what we try and make Fashioner be for people. If you've got something to say, something very interesting, something within that fashion tech space, then, you know, write for us, send us an article. I don't think this is the kind of space where only one or two opinions count. It's a conversation still. It's still at that stage where people have different ideas, different variations of what is. And therefore, if you get that platform to be able to communicate that information, why not? So a lot of our contributors are experts in their fields. They do know what they're talking about. They've researched their area of expertise. So when they do write for us, it's they're writing things that are actually some of the time fact. There's stuff that they know. So that makes it invaluable information for our readers. They are hearing literally from somebody who knows what they're talking about. And we can't know everything. I can't know everything as much as I would love to. I can't. So it's great to have people who know something that I might know contribute to Fashion Nerd. Adds a little something. Yeah. I mean, with Electric Runway, we've just brought on our very first intern. And I understand what you're saying. Let somebody else, you know, take care of your baby in that sense, because it's a challenge, but it's also something like learning to ask for help and learning to open up the platform to other people. It's something we're working on as well. And, you know, you have to find people that it's really the right fit. So I think it's definitely a sign that the industry is growing and that there's room for more voices in it. So it's definitely interesting to to see it emerge. And that's why I always like touching base with people like you who've been there 
since the beginning and have really seen this industry kind of come of age. So that was Paris <laughs> and yes. people can follow you on Instagram and see the different media that you posted from that event. And then from Paris, you went to Munich. Do I have that right? I did. Yes. I went to give a talk about smart fabrics, the evolution of smart fabrics at Munich Fabric Start. They have this new section called the Key House. It's been going for a little while now. And basically, they are exploring the merge of technology and textiles. I think this is exciting. I mean, Munich Fabric Star, is, I think it's the third or some people say the second largest textile trade show in Europe. So they have, you know, they have a little punch, a little push. So the fact that they are taking a space and saying, hi, guys, we're going to introduce you to, to technology to the people that have been attending for years and years and years, I think is a brave thing to do. I congratulate them on doing it because it shows that they basically are staying ahead of the trend, staying ahead and making sure that, you know, their customers might not be ready for technology yet because some of them are quite old fashioned, but they are giving them the opportunity to learn about the merger of fashion and technology, how it works and how it can influence their buying decisions in the future. So I gave a talk to those who are attending the event, just basically a one-on-one -on, -one on smart fabrics, where it's going, who to look out for, and things like that. It was quite an interesting talk because a lot of them had not really experienced smart fabrics or smart textiles. It was something they might have heard about, but not really paid much mind to it. So I had quite a few curious people come up to me after the talk and say, wow, oh my God, you can do that now? You know, or, you know, yeah. wow, can you send me your talk so I can learn a little bit more? So they were curious. They wanted to know more, which was great, which was amazing, which I was very excited about because I'm sure you give a lot of talks, you know, how nerve wracking it can be. So I was excited to get such a positive response afterwards. Everyone coming up to me and asking me for more information, wanting to know what brands I can recommend for them and stuff like that. So Munich Fabric Start was really good. I didn't know what to expect when I showed up. I did not know whether it would be Fashion Nerds Cup of Tea or anything like that. But Claudia, who runs the event, and Panos as well, who runs more the denim side of things, but who got me on board, they're both doing amazing things and they're both making it work. So all I can do is congratulate them. And I'm, I was really happy to be invited and I was really excited to have been part of that. And I'm excited to continue working with them. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be there next season. That's fantastic. And for those who've never been to a textile show before, what is it like? I mean, people can follow you on Instagram and see some of the photos and videos that you were posting, but what did it look like? What were the sights and smells? It's really big. I think they had a total of seven halls, maybe eight. It's humongous. It's so big. It's so crowded. It's like the fashion week of textiles. Everybody who's anybody is there. It, I was actually quite surprised how big it was. I wasn't expecting this gigantic space. I thought it'd be small, sweet, cute, you know, but it was massive. They are doing amazing things within this space. They had a denim section. They had obviously the tech session where I was and they had all these various halls with different types of textiles. So depending on your business, 
you'd go and visit that section and everything you need is there. All the different brands were there from across Europe, the Americas, everybody was there. I was introduced to a few designers that were also showing their collections. You had the girls from Pirates there. Then if you've heard of Pirates, they were part of the Fashion Fusion. They had their collection there on show, their latest collection. You had Kasim Denim and Kasim Denim, they kind of merged technology with their denim, which is also very amazing. And they look at sustainability as well. So there's, and also there was a micro factory. I forgot to mention the micro factory, which was showing you the technology of the future and how the manufacturing of technology and fashion will work. So yeah, it was, it was big. It was amazing. And I really enjoyed myself. I never thought I'd enjoy myself as much as I did at a trade show, but I did. I would recommend people to, if you're interested in smart fabrics, if you're interested in textiles in general, put that on your list to attend for sure. That's great. And so I know that you were brought there as the kind of future vision to show people where this is all headed, but was there anything that you saw that surprised you in terms of some of the innovations in denim or manufacturing? What surprised me, they had a little small section that was all about eco-fashion. And they had like stuff made out of mushroom, made out of bacteria, made out of like, you know, it, it was amazing. I was looking at it think, I can't believe they made those shoes out of this particular material. I can't believe they made that scarf out of bacteria. I can't believe, like, you had to see it to believe it. And most of it seemed to be made up by graduates and students and, you know, people which to me are the biggest innovators because they they have no limit. They just have this idea that is out of this world, out of the box. And you're like, whoa, we can't even do that. But they show us that we can. So that was this kind of the area that was in the key house that made me stop and go, wow, okay. And I did Instagram quite a few images. There were trainers, which I think is called sneakers. We call them trainers over here that were made out of wood. But they didn't look like out it. Out of wood. And you would think they would look like some 18th century, never going to wear them type of shoes. But they weren't. They looked like normal trainers. I was like, wow, okay, that's really cool. I have to Instagram that. And people were asking me like, what brand is that? Where can I get that? I'm thinking, they're wooden shoes. They're not available yet, but it's the whole idea behind them. And I think they use like trees that, you know, that have been put aside. And I think it was all about the waste, using the waste and stuff. So they were really amazing. You can see them on my Instagram. There was, like I said, the scarf that was made out of bacteria that looked like a normal scarf. That's the section that had me wowing. I mean, like, wow, this is amazing. And can you remind people of your Instagram handle just in case they forgot, just that they can follow you? Of course, yes. At Fashion Nerd Editor, which is myself. And I did post quite a few images. So you guys take a look. Let me know what you think. Oh my God. It was, for me, it was amazing because I, I like people who are quite forward thinking when it comes to fashion and who use technology for the better. They use technology to find other materials that we could be using in the future or they use it for, you know, for our health and convenience. So this is the kind of stuff that I, I kind of live and breathe. So that really excited me. Fantastic. Now, fast forward a few days and all of a sudden it was New York Fashion Week and we were talking about this before we started recording, but you know, we had very different experiences 
covering New York Fashion Week. You're, of course, in Munich, traveling to London. So you're watching New York Fashion Week from a distance. And I was immersed kind of in the center of it, going to one specific show focused on one designer who's doing something very innovative on the runway. So I'll start with my overall impression, and then I'd like to get your opinion on it as well. It seemed to me that a year ago, there was a ton to talk about in terms of wearables on the runway, in terms of fashion tech on the runway. Technology seemed to really be everywhere at New York Fashion Week. This year, not so much. What's your impression? I agree. I completely and utterly agree. I keep looking for something. I keep like going like, oh my God, look at all the images. Is that a little bit of tech in that dress? Oh God, it's not. It's only like a, it's just a design, part of the design. I've been looking, but no, there's absolutely nothing. And somebody actually wrote a very interesting article about it. And they said basically that there is no tech at Fashion Week this season for New York. And it all seems to be kind of live streaming seems to be as, as techy as it got this season. And it kind of gave me food for thought because I was thinking maybe it's because they put all this tech in the last few seasons and now they kind of, it's wilted down to what works. And live streaming does work. See him, you know, was it see and buy or that's, see now, yeah, buy now, see now, yeah. buy now, that works. You know, things that actually work. So it's great to kind of like throw things at, the runway, a lot of tech at the runway, but then just see what sticks. And what sticks seems to be more retail tech, more to do yeah, with absolutely. customers and, and giving them the opportunity to experience Fashion Week, the opportunity to buy what they see easily. So all that kind of VR, you know, what is it? AR, VR, not so much this season. And I don't know if that's a bad thing, to be honest. Yeah. Well, you know, last year in 2016, Intel was actually the technology partner of New York Fashion Week, as we talked about, and they had a huge investment in fashion. And from my understanding, their internal staff and their budgets have shifted more towards retail tech, and they're not so much funding the wearables and maker initiatives anymore. And I didn't, I didn't see Intel anywhere. I didn't see any of the Companies that had previously been involved in Fashion Week and had sponsored runway shows like even Fitbit, I didn't see any of that. So I was asking people and looking around at my contacts in New York saying, where's the fashion tech? And I spoke with one local street style photographer, very well-established street style photographer who actually used to run the style account for the New York Times. And I said, what's happening in fashion tech? Because he's very invested in technology and new media when it comes to fashion. And he said, it's so spread out. Everyone is so cliquey in New York and nothing's moving forward because it's so spread out. The other contact that I have there, rather than going to New York Fashion Week, was attending a protest right in front of Trump Tower. And so, you know, I was there, I walked Fifth Avenue and it was very interesting to me. You know, we have Fifth Avenue, we have the Prada, we have the Louis Vuitton, we have all these high-end retail shops, the most expensive retail in the world. And then you have the Trump Tower and they had SWAT teams in front of the Trump Tower and people protesting, perhaps in lieu of going to Fashion Week. And it could be that the the mindset has shifted, that there's so much there's so much political turmoil right now in the US that 
technology and fashion technology isn't top of mind. But it was very interesting to me that the protest took place on Fifth Avenue, which is where you have all these high-end designers. So we tend to think of fashion and politics as things that are separate, but then here you have the very setting for this political turmoil, this protest in front of Trump Tower on the very avenue where these high-end designers all are. So it was very, very interesting. But you definitely get the sense that things are in flux, that things are changing. I was speaking to one of the models outside the show. She was a former model that now has taken a few years off to be a mom. And she was saying, I don't think that it's going to be around anymore in five years. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with her that it's entirely going away, but just the sense that everything is changing was definitely really palpable in the air. See, I think it's to do with the fact that a lot of designers on the runway used it as a gimmick. It was very gimmicky, some of the stuff that they did. Some of it was like, wow, but it was few and far between. I think what was wowing me mainly on the runway was to more the retail tech side of things and how quick that is growing and how brands are embracing that. But in terms of the fashion tech, most of it was quite gimmicky. It was more like jumping on the bandwagon, keeping up with the Joneses type of fashion tech, which, you know, on one hand, it's great in showing the masses where we are headed. And then on the other hand, you know, it kind of comes across not great and not something that is, you know, that people should take seriously. So I think what the future holds with regards to runway and fashion tech, it's going to be seamless. It's going to be invisible. That black dress that's strutting down the runway might be made with fabric. That means that it's, you know, it can like stop you from smelling of BO or it moisturizes your skin. It will have technical properties in it that you don't know necessarily can see. Do you see what I mean? What, yeah, you know, it won't absolutely. be a blinking dress or it won't be any yeah. of that. That might be more the couture type stuff. But in terms of just like a ready to wear going down the runway, I see designers using smart fabrics as part of their collection. I see that becoming the norm. I see them using fabric or technological properties that make it smart, that make it a, the better fabric than what we use today. And that is, I see that being the future. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned this idea of this invisible technology, because one of the stories I'm currently working on for Electric Runway was from the show that I attended. And quite honestly, you'd be forgiven if you attended the show and didn't think that there was anything technical on the runway. That's how subtle it was. So, you know, the technology is disappearing into the background but it's still very much a part of the story of not only how fabrics are changing, but also how the whole industry is changing. Completely. Well put. I definitely agree. I mean, I think people needed to see it in the beginning, seeing is believing. But now that people know what it's about, where it's headed, there's no need for us to have technology be so visible anymore. You know, it just needs to become the norm. You know, just the way we never used to have spandex, then that became about, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be the same thing with fabric and fabric and manufacturing is going to play a big role in that change. Yeah. And it's a future I'm, I'm definitely excited for, as I know you are one 
final thing I guess I'll say about New York Fashion Week also is that there seems to be this sense of a decentralization in the sense that a lot of the designers, as you know, as they did last year, were forgoing the traditional runway show to show their collections on Snapchat, to show them on Instagram instead. And I've been hearing a lot of talk about designers going to LA because it's a different audience and perhaps for the see now, buy now audience, it's it's better because there's actually your your market, your demographic in Los Angeles. This is all anecdotal. I don't have the data to back that up, but it does seem that there's a lot of talk about LA right now. I'm wondering if you caught any wind of that (laughs) from your end. I haven't on this side of the pond, but I can imagine why they will do that. I can imagine why they might want to, you know, pack up and, and try LA. It's a different environment, like you said, a different type of people. And maybe it's the kind of people that are a bit more forward thinking. I don't know. I can imagine New York has been quite traditional in what they want and their fashions and so forth. I can see like people from Los Angeles embracing the scene now by now more than people in New York. I think when it comes to runway, it's going to take a while to change that. I don't think the runway itself per se is going to change. I think, like I said, it's going to be the fabric that the designers use that's going to change. This is like an old traditional industry. For it to change completely, it's going to take a lot of work. So I don't really see that happening yet, if it's going to happen at all. But I do see designers embracing a different type of way of producing, being much more about sustainability and kind of integrating that into their design process, being more transparent. I see them embracing smart fabrics and looking at maybe nanotechnology rather than connector technology. You know, we are, like I said on my talk when I was in Munich, you know, it's all three stages. There's three stages to it at the moment. And the first stage, we've already gone past it. That's the passive technology. And then you've got the active technology and then you've got the ultra technology. And, you know, we are more active at the moment, but we're working our way towards ultra when your actual garment is the technology as opposed to it being embedded with technology or have technology attached to it. So I do see it happening and I can understand why people go to LA, but I haven't heard anything yet about it on this side. Yeah. I also think because of the manufacturing capabilities in LA, because the real estate's cheaper and they already have the manufacturing infrastructure, it could be really appealing. And then also just, there's so much happening in VR and AR in Los Angeles because it's so in bed with the entertainment industry perhaps their access to content creators is a lot greater. I mean, this is just something I've been kind of noticing, but I imagine that, you know, LA will become a go-to destination perhaps after New York in the future because so much of what's happening in fashion, I think, could happen there. And so much of what we dream of happening with fashion tech could come to life in LA just because of the talent that they have there. So I wanted to talk to you about London Fashion Week because you said that you're on your way to London Fashion Week and then there's a few other events on the horizon that you're really excited about. And I wanted to use this as an opportunity to share those with our listeners. Yes, London Fashion Week. Wow. I've been attending London Fashion Week for over a decade. I've seen it evolve, but it does evolve rather slowly. And I think a lot of the tech that happens normally happens in New York, barely in London, unfortunately. They are still quite shy about embracing technology at Fashion Week. 
I spoke to somebody about it once. I met somebody who's quite up there with regards to making decisions. And I did ask them why the BFC, which is the British Fashion Council, wasn't really, let's say, kind of involved with what's going on within the fashion tech space. And it all came down to money. They just did not have the money for it. And it made sense to me when she told me that. But I still think that they should be helping these designers embrace technology, introducing them to technology and not use it as a gimmick or a way to get kind of column inches in magazines. So I am hopeful, like I am every season when I attend, that I'm going to see something that's going to be amazing, that's going to help me put London on the map and get me excited. I am hoping. I don't know if I'm going to see anything this season. But they are, there is something running alongside it or just before Fashion Week. And I'm excited to be seeing Brooke Roberts, installation that she will be showing at the V&A. She worked with a couple of companies, including Holition, to create this amazing installation. So Brooke Roberts, I don't know if your listeners know, is one of the pioneers of the merger of fashion and technology here in the UK. She has given hundreds and hundreds of talks on what she does and and so forth. So she's definitely somebody that should be Googled <laughs> for, you know, because she has done some great things. She's kind of our Sylvia Heisel in a way. So she is doing something that I'm really looking forward to attending this week, end of this week. And I'm going to keep my eyes open. I really am. I'm going to keep my eyes open, see what's going on. Hopefully write about some exciting thing that I never saw coming at London Fashion Week for Fashion Nerd. So yeah, people should keep an eye on Fashion Nerd if they want to know what's going on here in London. So I'll definitely write about something. And if nothing goes on, I will write about what should have gone on. <laughs> I'll kind of <laughs> I will I will give BFC a little a little nudge, a little something to say, hey guys, you know, you should have been watching this person instead of that person because they're doing great things. Oh, and another thing that we are actually releasing in time for London Fashion Week is our top 30 people that you need to know in 2017 top people you need to know in fashion tech in fashion tech exactly and the reason why fashion nerd has created this list is basically like to let people within the fashion industry get to know these people know their names and what they do and be kind of curious about what they do and hopefully mainstream media will write about them it's exactly how the fashion industry always releases their lists of who to watch within the fashion space. We are releasing our list of who to watch within the fashion tech space from the graduates to keep your eye on to the pioneers who've done amazing things for the last 10 years, you know, to those who are really big on 3D printing and doing great things and those who are doing great events. And basically it's a nice little mixture of people who you yourself probably know who exactly who they all are. It's not the usual suspects per se, but it's a nice mixture of various people who have been doing great things in the last 12 months and who I think need to be acknowledged, really. Fantastic. And so where can people find that? That'll be on fashioner.com? That's going to be on fashioner.com. It's going to be released within the next few days and it's going to be an article about it. And we're going to, you know, I'm going to write about why they were selected. Obviously, there's quite a few people doing things within this space beyond the 30 that I've listed. And I do acknowledge that, but the 30 were basically selected on what they've done in the last 12 months, 
the people that I feel myself that I'm amazed with who have got my attention. So I'm just sharing that with the fashion industry. That's great. Well, we always look forward to your roundups. So we will definitely look forward for that. Mutinetta, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know my audience always appreciates hearing from you, hearing your insights. And we look forward to staying in touch with you as you ping pong around Europe and beyond covering fashion tech. Thanks so much. No, it's my pleasure. Hopefully I'll come to your side of the pond next time. I hope so. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Amanda. Great. Music from today's episode by Andrew Applepie. 